Today we have Dr. Jerry Beinhauer, a clinician by training and now founder and CEO of Apply, a platform to help employers and plans with distributed employee population to access, contract, and manage direct primary care arrangements. There is a lot of talk about DPCs and how they are a great way to improve access, manage employee population risks, and costs of ER and specialist visits. But it is overwhelming to figure out how to contract with DPC sites, particularly if the employer population is spread in multiple geographies, what kind of arrangements to have, on this podcast, you are going to learn some valuable insights on how to track efficacy of DPC programs, what metrics to focus on, how to think about contracting with distributed DPC sites for your clients with distributed member population, the role of data in putting together these contracts that can allow you to deliver on results. This program is brought to you by the Healthcare Administrators Association, HCAA. For over 40 years, HCAA has supported third-party administrators and the self-insured employer industry through educational opportunities from leading industry experts. For more information on joining HCAA, please visit our website at hcaa.org. I'm your host, Ramesh Kumar, and I'm on a mission to bring value to the healthcare industry through improved transparency. And my goal from this podcast is to give you one aha moment that you can implement in your business, whether you're a TPA, broker, or an employer. In my day job, I run a company called Zaki Point Health that helps self-insured employers and their employees provide price transparency, direction, and value by delivering a digital front door for the member that proactively steers members. Please like or share this podcast on your favorite podcasting tool so we can bring together a community of like-minded professionals. We are pleased to have our podcast sponsor, Ikigai Growth Partners, a valued sponsor of multiple HCAA activities. Ikigai is a growth consulting firm that works with two sister venture funds to find and support the growth of innovative new companies in the areas of healthcare technology and tech-enabled services. If you're a part of the self-insurance industry and are looking to innovate, you might benefit from a relationship with Ikagai. Let's jump into the conversation with Jerry. Dr. Jerry Beinhauer, so good to speak with you today and to compare notes. If you could really tell our audience, why you? And why should they listen to you when it comes to adapting to this changing purchasing habits, particularly around this value-based contracting for the world of DPC. What do you have to offer there? Ramesh, thanks for having me as well. I was excited to have this podcast with you. And yes, it is 48 degrees in Tampa this morning, so we're freezing here. So <laughs> come on down. I know it's a lot warmer than Boston. But yeah, that's a really good question. Maybe what kind of makes things unique for me is, is I guess I'm kind of a unique character. I am a doc, family medicine mm -hmm. trained. I had practiced medicine for quite a few years, but also kind of a techie nerd. And through the process of experience from the healthcare side and also on the technology side, it's put me in a unique position, I think, to be able to recognize the value that direct primary care brings, not just to the payers, the employers, self-funded employers that are involved, but really everybody that's involved kind of in the whole ecosystem. And what I mean by that is the employers that are paying for the services 
the patients for sure, the providers, and even the independent TPAs that are getting involved in offering this to their clients. From a provider side, what's interesting to me as a physician myself, a lot of docs are really getting burned out. There's been a lot of articles lately talking about that because really in order to make ends meet in a fee-for-service world, they really have to see a lot of patients. It's really hectic. They're really driving themselves to see 20, 24 patients a day. And it really has reached a point with all the administrative stuff they have to deal with. Their day is really not like they had envisioned it being when they wanted to become a doctor, which is really focusing on taking care of patients. And because a lot of that was because of middlemen. And when we talk to the direct primary care providers, it's night and day. They're happy. They realize now that this is why they went into medicine. So it's nice to hear that. And then the patients like it, the plan members that are participating in programs that offer DPC, because they can get in to see their doc quickly. They spend 30, 45 minutes with the provider instead of a shorter period of time, typically with the typical DPC. And they can get in right away. So it's really something that the members seem to like as well. And then the TPAs that are participating in that, they seem to enjoy it too, is because they're delivering a service that really benefits their plan members of their clients and the clients like it as well, because it keeps their employees happy and healthy and helps them reduce costs as well. So it's really been a fun ride. Fascinating ride, definitely bringing you that doc experience and really thinking for the provider as well in this case. What is intriguing for me, if you could provide a bit more context here, bringing all of these entities together, what are you really doing in the middle to help them? Let's take the employer and the TPA What are you doing to help them with these DPC providers? We work primarily with large employers so far, so like with national footprints. And the thing that was interesting to me in this environment is typically when you look at a large employer that has locations throughout the country, when it comes to things like this, like their self-funded health plan, they're usually at a tremendous advantage because of their size. And interesting enough, when it comes to direct or advanced primary care, they're actually at a tremendous disadvantage. And the reason for that is because there really isn't one single advanced primary care organization that has a large enough presence to support a large employer's plan members across the country. And that was one of the first things that we addressed was leveraging the technology platform that we built at Apply to be able to then aggregate providers together who wanna deliver their services to the large employers. And then the other piece was being able to define the fact that because direct primary care providers have decided typically they don't want to deal with uh, some of the insurance companies anymore, they don't want to submit claims, they're operating on a subscription-based per-member-per-month model. However, the carriers and some of the TPAs that are supporting these large employers, they typically have rails built to pay for services in a streamlined way through fee-for-service claims. So Mm -hmm. what we built was a system that actually aggregates the providers together, but then also sort of serves in the middle as a translator that enables the providers to operate under a subscription model and the carriers or TPAs that are administering the large employer plans to actually operate on a fee-for-service claim type model. And it helps people have called it sort of like Google Translate. And so you certainly are bringing all, all these DPC providers in one place, almost creating a marketplace to make it easy and making it easy for payment. But when it comes to delivering that value-based care, 
how are you doing that? How are you making sure the DPC site is delivering that value-based care? So in the work that we've done with uh, HTA, for instance, the Healthcare Transformation Alliance, as being kind of one of the entities that is delivering the advanced primary care solution on the platform, is one of the first things we needed to do was define what services are required for any provider that wants to participate in the DPC offering that's being offered through the Apple platform. And part of that includes then is certain requirements, but also the ability for not an audit, but basically for them to be able to say, here's the performance that's, re, you know, that we're requesting or requiring of those providers and make that something that the providers have to perform under and then be able to help them provide reviews and reporting back uh, to show that they're performing under those requirements. And what are those measures typically? So some of the things that they talked about are really, and this isn't a requirement of aptly, it could be requirements that we built the framework that can enable whoever offers direct primary care services through our platform can define. So things like time to make it to get in to see a doctor. Is it same day, next day? Does it take a week? Things like referral patterns. How many providers do they make referrals to specialists and how often in comparison to other providers that are on the platform? So it's sort of things like that that are more comparative type performance metrics. Anything around reducing risks, uh, gaps in care closure or costs reduction? So that's something that actually the TPA would be able to report on because typically then with most DPC providers, as you know, working on a subscription-based model, a lot of times the way that they charge the employers is through invoicing. And a lot of the data that normally would be captured through typical provider is lost. Because our system is designed to serve as a translator in the middle and capture the data then that otherwise would not be reported, that enables the TPA to use their own analytics that they would to determine the performance of any provider, but also uh, deliver that for DPC. So the TPA could look at how the providers are individually performing using their same data analytics that they would for anyone else. And that's really up to them. For us, is we're the conduit that brings those parties together. And the rules that they define between each other is something that we support through our framework. But it's variable based on each offering, HTA being one of the entities that has an offering on the platform, and be able to say who else they want to do business with and define the rules and roles within that. So, Jerry, two questions. One, what is the typical impact are you seeing when TPAs are tracking it in their system and the claims or whatever, what is the impact you're seeing aside from the call, I guess, how quickly the patient got to see the doctor and what the referral patterns were? Can you point to any impact that in general you're seeing of DPC or within your cohort of customers? Yep. So, I mean, it's really a function of the provider and the payer relationship, the employer. So again, Apple is not selling direct primary care. We're the software platform that helps facilitate it. And when we talk to the employers and the providers, what we're learning from them is that typical DPC provider that is actually delivering care, actively managing the patients, they're helping to cause a significant reduction in the cost overall. So for instance, some of the providers and employers are saying that with an active DPC presence, actively managing their patients, they can see a 15, 20% reduction in cost. Why? Because they're eliminating ER visits or reducing them drastically, urgent care visits, hospitalizations. They don't refer patients typically to specialists as often because 
these providers, they have more time to spend with the patient and they can actually practice at the top of their training level. So they might not make a referral automatically to a specialist. They would do most of the workup as needed through their actual office, which at the Mm. end of the day, it's like a personal physician that the members have and it helps them because of that. It helps reduce costs. And actually, there was a recent study that came out that showed, too, when not only is it a cost reduction, but it also helps with longevity. A recent study out of Belgium showed that when a patient has a longstanding relationship with a primary care physician of at least 15 years, they're seeing an 8% increase in lifespan. So it's kind of interesting to us, too, is that if you have a primary care doc, you actually live longer. Go figure. That's key. That's huge. And all these books on longevity, the simple pill to take is have a primary doc. Have a doc. Exactly. (laughs) Go figure. (laughs) It's fantastic. And obviously you talked about bringing all of these DPC sites. And why is it that TPAs can't do it themselves? Like where do you add a lot of value? So for independent TPA, the interesting thing that we found is that Sometimes, and not all the time, they'd also have distributed workforces. So their clients, even though they're not big jumbo nationwide employers, some of them do still have regional locations. So from one perspective, being able to have a single point of contact through our platform where they can do a couple of things, they can aggregate different providers together that are already on there and access an existing nationwide distribution of providers that can participate in the TPA's own offering that we'd set up on the platform for them. And then it streamlines their billing and payment process because most TPAs obviously have a very streamlined approach for paying claims. But like we talked about, the DPCs typically operate a subscription model. And by utilizing the Apple platform, it enables them to use those same rails for claims adjudication as well as then payment. So it makes it ability as like a single point of contact for them to connect with us on one side and then access the providers on the other to deliver services to their clients. And if they wanted to do it themselves, in which situations would you recommend that they just go off and do it themselves with the DPC providers? No, absolutely. It's a good question. I would say if a TPA has a client that has, let's say, let's take, for instance, a restaurant owner, maybe has 50 employees and they see the value in direct primary care, and there's direct primary care providers there in the proximity of where all those employees live and where the restaurant is, absolutely, I would say you don't really need Apley to have kind of this broad distribution of accessible providers. They could just do a direct agreement with the restaurant owner, and a lot of DPCs do that, and then provide their services directly. And the thing about it is they still get the benefit of active management of the patients. The patients then would be happy for all the same reasons. And that's the value that they can bring to their clients by doing that kind of on a local scale. One of the questions, Jerry, I'm sure on our listeners' mind, when they're doing these kind of contracts, whether it's value-based care or outcome-based or some metric-based, what are the things they should be adding in their contracts? What advice would you give whether you're a broker, TPA, employer, trying to put these things in place with one DPC site? What should they be doing? I think some of the key things, and I talked about this when I was speaking at the HCAA conference in Vegas and then in Dallas, some of the things that we learned is definitely define the scope of services that the DPC needs to deliver. So that's really key is to really make sure that both parties understand what's included for the subscription and what's not. That would be one of the key things too. 
And then also making sure that the expectations for the members are realized as well so that they know that this is a provider option that they have to be able to make sure that that's something that they understand how it works because there's still a lot of education that needs to go on with individuals, patients, the plan members who don't really understand yet, it seems, exactly what this service is. So I think that would be some of the key things is make sure that in that relationship, not just contractually, but even with member outreach to make sure that they understand what the benefit is and, and convey the value that it can bring for the members and their families. And so how do they overcome this challenge of communicating with the members and informing them and telling them how it's different, that it's a, a service that's available to them? Yeah. So one of the things that can probably help, I think, and this is what we've learned too, is the education is really about showing the members the difference. So everybody's experienced a situation where you're sick, you don't feel good, you call, go see your doctor and they say, yeah, the next appointment is two weeks out. So it's easy to use some type of marketing communication that conveys an experience like that and say, hey, remember the time when you were sick, you were told that your appointment was two weeks out and you thought to yourself, I'll be dead by then. The difference with direct primary care is that you can typically get in within the same day, next day, because those providers have limited the size of their practice specifically to provide high level personal type care. And sort of some of the providers too talk about it as it's like having a physician in the family, it's personal physician, personal doctor. So that type of communication, I think really connects emotionally to the members for them to realize that that's an experience that almost everybody has had. And it's something that can be overcome with this new benefit. Well, this is fantastic. Just even simple things like that. This is, do you have a playbook? Do you offer any templates for these contracts? If somebody was to reach out to you after this podcast, are you willing to share some of that? Yeah, actually. So what we do too is for TPAs, let's say that want to offer DPC to their clients, we have a template contract that they can use right on the platform that super simple enables them to go live pretty quickly and they don't have to engage attorneys. And really think about it. So it's sort of a, a two-sided marketplace platform is what we're operating and trying to connect parties on both sides. It really needs to be something that's simple because what you don't want to do is have a, such a complicated agreement that's one-sided so that providers are not willing to participate or have it too lax to the point where it's difficult to actually then ensure the services on the employer side. So we created a very simple, straightforward agreement that any of the TPAs could use on the platform, which makes a lot of sense, right? I always think about it as we're operating like Amazon, is we're just a platform that enables parties that are selling a product, in this case, it's DPC, to those that want to purchase it, the employers and their TPAs. And when you go to sell some shoes on Amazon, yes, you got to agree to their terms of use, but you don't have to engage in a contract with folks that want to buy your shoes. It's just a matter of saying, I'm going to offer a service or a product on this platform, and I'm offering it at this price. I agree to deliver that service at that price, and then whoever is purchasing it is agreeing to purchase it at the price that you have posted. So that's how we looked at this, is to keep it very, very simple. Ah, so fantastic marketplace. Well, so if people wanted to reach out to you and get this uh, template contract, uh, how should they reach out to you? Yeah, they can email me at jerry with a J, J-E-R-R-Y, at apply, A-P-A-L-Y.com, or they can go connect with us through our website, A-P-A-L-Y.com, either way. Fantastic. And any message for our listeners, any call to action, if they are, if they are a provider out there or if they're a TPA, a broker, employer? 
what would you want them to do? Yeah, I think from a TPA perspective, too, I think this is something we talked about if any of the listeners that were at the HCAA conferences in, in Vegas and Dallas, is that probably really take a deep dive into the value and benefits that direct or sometimes called advanced primary care can deliver. And I think then understand and absorb how that could help your clients from a cost perspective. But also, like I said, it's so much more than cost. It really is taking care of the lives of their family members and employees and really helping to keep them happy and healthy and understanding that implementing programs like that, it doesn't have to be a big lift. It really can be a program that can be bolted on to their existing health plan, almost the same way you would bolt on another point solution and offer that in a way it doesn't have to disrupt their existing network relationships at all. Carriers don't view this as a threat because it's not a service that they offer currently today anyway. And the tough part is we've seen a lot of TPAs now that are starting to offer DPC in a number of ways, including working on our platform. And it looks like it's growing in popularity to the point where some TPAs that kind of don't explore the possibility, they may find that their clients want that service and they may end up wanting to switch to another TPA. So it's just something to consider. From a provider side perspective, we're just seeing a ton of interest because as the market for direct and advanced primary care continues to grow, because providers are super interested in the benefits that it brings, better lifestyle, more time with patients, getting back to the heart core of medicine, the reason they want to go to medical school, they're making the leap. So they're leaving fee-for-service and they need a way to try to capture patients in a simple and straightforward way. And we're helping them do that. So, Is there any kind of typical cost for a DPC program? When, when you say cost, what do you mean? Typical cost to who? So to the employer, like how much should they be thinking about paying for DPC programs? Well, that really goes back to the scope, right? So when we look at that, we talk to the employers. One of the things that we've learned is that with a PMPM paid to the direct primary care docs by the employer, the interesting thing that we've learned is that the cost really becomes cost neutral because when a provider is actively managing those lives and they can spend time with the patient and they're available for them on a 24-7 basis through whatever different means. I was reading an article about our largest population now, working class people being millennials, and some of the ways that the practices are looking at how they can best serve that generation is really by providing access to care through whatever means possible, not just face-to-face or telephone, but basically through telemedicine, chatting, text messaging, all the different possibilities. And for a DPC, it's really about providing that access. And if they can access the patients and deliver that line of care, effectively, they're able to eliminate ER visits. So the cost neutrality is really because if they can eliminate one ER visit or two urgent care visits typically in a year, then the typical DPC cost is neutral. So any of the additional return because or cost reduction such as less referrals to specialists and that kind of thing, it really becomes an infinite return to the employer. It's an interesting fact that that's what they're seeing. That is impressive ROI there. So one ER visit, let's say $1,000 per employee, if it's saved, you're talking about $80-$90 per employee per month costs for DPC? It depends on the, it depends on the scope, right? So if you that's the other thing to consider back to the question on what should be included in a contract. 
I should have mentioned that if you make your scope of services that are required too vast, that's also going to then the DPCs are going to look at it when they go to participate and deliver their services. They're going to say, okay, this is more of a scope than we typically do. So we need to charge more. So really have to find that balance. Well, I hope your contract your standard templates have a like a little table for them. Platinum service, this PPM, gold service, this PPM. Well, we don't name the price, so we're not in the business of pricing. That's really something that takes place between the parties on our platform. Again, just like Amazon, the same way Amazon doesn't tell anybody what they have to charge to sell their computer software. We don't do that with DPCs either. It's really between the parties. Got it. DPCs can decide what their rate is, and an employer can decide if that's something they're willing to pay. There you have it to our listeners. When you really have a need to get your member population that's across the board, across the country, or in different locations, how do you really bring that DPC? Apple is the place to go. They have the providers. They have the contracts in place. They have the ability to pay them. So I think it's a fantastic offering to TPAs, brokers who are working with large employers. So I encourage you to reach out to Dr. Jerry Beinhauer. Jerry, thank you so much for taking the time today. Ramesh, thank you so much for having me. I'm here to help in any way we can. Thank you. Thanks. And I would like to thank Ikagai Growth, our sponsor of this show. Please join us again for another podcast in the series brought to you by HCAA's Voices of Self-Funding. Please like and share so we can build a community of like-minded people and tell us about topics that we should bring to you next. Please watch your email for updates on upcoming guests. I'm your host, Ramesh Kumar of Zakipoint Health.